in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. God speaks to us. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Cleansing water, healing water, calming water, living water. Wash over us today, quench our thirst, fill your people, claim us as your own. And if you'll rise and sing together the hymn, lift every voice and sing. up to the blanket. Josephine's gonna help me spread it out. Thank you for your help. Yeah, there we go. Friends, I'm so excited to see you. Happy 2019. Great to have all of you back. Our We Care crew is coming in from this side. Awesome. We love having a big full blanket up here. 
We are getting excited because on Saturday is the third Women's March. The th and your mom's gonna be back for it. Yeah, we're praying for your mom and other folks who are working at the border right now. And maybe you did march last year or maybe two years ago. Maybe you're gonna march on Saturday. And that is something we want all ages to feel connected to. We have a sign that some of our friends at the 930 helped us contribute to. The phrase at the top though, I need you to say it with me. I know I have lots of readers on the stage, but let's help our younger friends too. Love marches on. One more time. Love marches on. Love marches on, you guys. We have many challenges. Many challenges across many different movements, but we are committed to continue marching because love marches on. Young people have been reminding us of so much of our organizing and justice and love work for years, for decades, for centuries. Young people have been at the center. Young people here right now, I wanna know why do we march? I have hashtag we march for. I want your eyes up, to you, up there. Your eyes and your ideas, <laughs> both. Why do we march? Give me some ideas. Yes. We march for God. We march for God. We march for equality. We march for equality. Yeah. Love God. We love God. Thanks, Zane. Why else do we march? There's almost no wrong answer. <laughs> we march for so many different movements. Um, we march for freedom. For freedom. Carla, did you have a hand? Uh, helping people. Helping people. We march for homeless. Oh, we march for folks that are homeless. We march for folks in poverty. We are marching. Thank you for all these ideas. We are marching on Saturday, and we're gonna keep marching beyond Saturday, too. So if you would like to join us in New York or DC, talk to the grown-ups in your family. We would love to have you. Let's hold all of these ideas as we pray together right now. You can link up next to a friend. And grown-ups out there, let's remember to hold our young people at the center of all of these movements. Let's pray, dear God. Thank you that we can march with you. On Saturday and beyond. Because love marches on. Amen. All right, let's sing Sia Humba and keep marching, friends. Well, good morning. How are you doing? Happy New Year one more time. Happy New Year. People are finding their way back from vacations and home time, and we're so glad to see you back here. Uh, how many of you are here for the very first time today? I know we have a whole row of friends that are from Australia and France. Woo, hello. Hello. Yeah. So just shout out where you're from. Where are you from? Here. Here. Keep your hands up, because our ushers are trying to find you. Welcome. We Australia and France, can you show me Australia? Like, woo, awesome. And show me France. Okay, there we go, awesome. Anybody else, where are you from, ma'am? France. France, that's right, bienvenue. We're so glad you're here. Yes, and where are you from? Okay, uh, whoever is from, could, yeah. Where are you from? Where are you from? Greece, hi, I'm so glad you're here. We do not, we don't let us, we don't miss you. We can't miss you, yes. Yeah, wow, well hello, thank you for coming. 
Anybody else? Let's wave to all the people online that are from their couches, their coffee shops. Hello, we're so glad to hear you. Bless you, bless you. Um, I have so many things to tell you. Um, first of all, today is January 13. It's baptism day, so we're talking about Jesus and baptism, and the Reverend Rob Stevens is preaching. There's another ordination of one of our colleagues today uh, at three o'clock at West End Church. So if you're wanting to go support that middle people, Rob's going and he can tell you how to get there. Um, next week is King Day. And we have a big day planned for you on King Day on Sunday. We will start with nine o'clock, some light food. At 9.30, worship one. Between worship one and worship two at 10.30, Ruby Sales and I in the sanctuary here having a talk, where do we go from here? Snaps for Ruby. Snaps right here, where do we go from here? It's gonna get jiggy, because that's where we're at right now. So it's gonna be wild and wonderful, so please come uh, and think out loud with us about that. And then we'll worship again at 11.45, and then we'll have our soul food throwdown brunch. Yeah, and then finally, will show the movie, The Rape of Reese Taylor. Has anybody seen this film? I'm, I'm glad you haven't, because I want you to see it here. It is a very powerful film, sponsored by our colleagues at Odyssey Network, about a, a, an African-American woman who was violated, and how Rosa Parks showed up to make that, help that get you know, healed and, and fixed. But it puts intersectionality really in the room, where race and gender collide. And afterwards, Natalie Perkins and I are doing a talk. So just, get, just bring your slippers and get your king day on from nine in the morning till about three. We so hope you'll do any part of that that you can. We'd love to have you, okay? The day before that is the third annual Women's March. And we are showing up in three different profound ways. One is that we will be in DC. Amanda and I are going to DC. There's a bus. The information's in the bulletin. It's also on the website. Please come with us if you'd like to. This year, I'm on the steering committee, and I also get to speak. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Because I got some stuff to say. <laughs> Secondly, we'll be here in New York, and we'll be at the Women's March in New York, the Women's March Official March in New York, with Bertram and Marta. So those details are here also, but also on the website. And finally, and this is something that I'm really super excited about, because we're not the only activists in the room, our beloved Allie Palmer of the rock group Betty has organized for the last three years a wonderful thing called One at One. And I don't think I've been more excited about her vision than I am right now, where there's so much messiness in the world. And also women are everywhere. Women are incarcerated. Women are having to work on Sunday or Saturday. Women are taking care of their kids. Women are in um, detention centers. But every single one of those women Ali is saying we can stand together at one, be one at one. So you can find that information at oneatone.org, and Ali can tell you more about it, but we're going to be doing that too. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm speaking that in the real world when I'm speaking on the stage of the Women's March. So there's lots more to tell you. I, I really feel like I want us to get back into worship, but I think I want to close these announcements with, um, you know, the march is messy. We, we've talked about that. The movement is messy. I hope you noticed my Movements Are Messy poem, uh, uh, and I hope that if you like it, you'll share it, because that explains our point of view. We are not perfect. Okay, I am. But none of I try to keep that on the down low so you don't feel bad, but no, none of us is perfect, right? And the movement isn't perfect. It's messy. But we had a chance this week to meet with rabbis and Linda Sarsour and uh, Tamika Mallory, and the rabbis were so moved by the conversation, the rabbis are making a statement about the march, and they're going on the radio to talk about the march. That doesn't mean everything's fixed. It's not. But it is to say people are really trying to reconcile. Uh, my, my rabbi friend Steph Colin says, panim al panim, which is face to face. Isn't that good? Panim al panim, face to face. So we're working it out. We're trying. And I just ask you to keep them, all of them, and all of us in your prayers. Amen? Amen. All right. Bertram's going to help us pray. Thanks, everybody. Good morning, middle. Uh, before I move into the prayer time, I just want to offer a word of thanks and um, 
appreciation for this congregation. I think some of you know that my fiance Jason's mom, his mom passed away over the holidays, and so that kept me or took me away from here for a bit. But thank you for your prayers and the show of support that the entire staff and congregation have shown for us, and know that he really appreciates that, and we appreciate that as a family. Um, as we move into our prayer time, I just want to invite you to, again, get grounded, um, to find that place of comfort in your body and in your seat, uh, to focus on the breath that God gives us as life, and to quiet ourselves as we open our hearts to God in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for the blessing of this moment and for the uniqueness of our lives. Regardless of what we've gone through, regardless of what we've lost or where we've been, just as you did with Jesus at his baptism, you have called us and claimed us as your own. We are your beloved and we are grateful for that, God. In this second week of January, we come today hoping for the gift of new life for this new year. We come with a desire to leave the pain and the disappointments of the past behind us as we find a new way to be and to work, to live and to love as your beloved children. God, we are people filled with expectation. We desire and expect healing in our bodies. We want broken relationships to be repaired. We hunger for justice in our city and in our world. Holy One, hear our prayers for the blessings of this new year before us. God, we know that also when you came into the world, immediately you were forced into exile. And today we pray for asylum seekers. We pray new life for them and new beginnings for them. We pray for those who are crying out in the wilderness, wherever they might be. We pray that those who are fleeing violence and poverty and famine and wars and maybe even wars that our country began, help them to find healing God. Help us to make amends for our wrong, to be a nation that builds bridges and not walls. Give us compassion as Jesus taught, the, uh, the, the, taught us saying that we should welcome the stranger. Help us to give them safe haven and food and water and medical care and rest for their souls. And God, we thank you for the members of this congregation who are right now at our southern border. We pray for Amanda and for Kelly and Elaine, for the ways that they're opening their hearts and offering their hands and their love to be your presence in that place. God, keep them safe while they're there. Bring them back safely to us. And we pray for those who are still yet to go to be your people and to show your love and to claim your justice and compassion there. God, we pray for all who are involved in this upcoming week's Women's March, whether it's in D.C. or New York or around the world. As Jackie said, movements are messy and we are not united in everything. But help us to unite in what's most important, that every woman and every girl should live with dignity that regardless of their skin color or religion, that she was born into a world where she deserves to be free. She deserves health care. She deserves a fair education, equal pay, and to feel safe in her body. God, we pray for people who are struggling with new diagnoses this week, who are living with uncured ailments, and for those who are on the mend. Be as near to them as the air they breathe. Comfort those who are hurting and lonely and doubtful and those who are afraid as only you can. We pray for the blessing of a new life to wash over us and all your people. Holy mystery, we give you these words from my mouth and the prayers of our hearts, trusting that you hear us and you respond with grace for us. We pray this in the power of all your sacred and holy names. Ashe and amen. amen. Now friends, let's stand together and pray the prayer that Jesus taught us.
If you need assistance with that, there's a copy of it printed in our bulletin which says, Everlasting and Holy God, holy in your name, whether you come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we give for those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Family, God has made us one by faith, by love, by grace. Let us turn to one another and share the peace of God with each other, our family, our brothers and sisters, in God's name. The peace of God be with each and every one of you.
Good morning, middle. I'll be reading from Luke chapter, third chapter, verses 15 to 22. Listen for a word from God. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the weed into his granary. But the shaft will be burned with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This was the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say amen for Deacon Philistine Travis. Amen. She's, a, she's been a deacon a long time, but now she's got the official. Uh, good morning, middle. I don't even know if it's morning anymore, but it is so good to be here um, and to see y'all in person. I've been looking at y'all on TV. Um, Christmas Eve was something special, and I don't think it's ever happened before, and I think it's going to change the world. Uh, already has, but uh, to have that voice, Jackie's voice, and the, and the sermon embodied by this congregation... Um, Charles, you did, you did it. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, so uh, I've been excited to come back here. I, the, the sermon title, and I promise I won't do my 10-minute uh, warm-up, uh, but uh, uh, the sermon title I sent to Jackie and Bertram as a joke, um, Make Baptism Great Again, and I... <laughs> I went to sleep that night, you know, with zero percent of me thinking that they would take it seriously. Um, but they did, and they thought it was a good title. Uh, so I said I'd go with it, but I, I, I made Jackie preach with me uh, if I was going to keep the title. But it, is, it has uh, gotten me somewhere, gotten us somewhere. And if you're curious uh, where we're going with it, uh, you're not alone. So if you would, uh, please uh, pray with me. Oh, holy creator God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to be in your house this morning to bring us back again another week to celebrate your goodness to us in the company of your creation, your precious creation, those sitting to our left and right. Give you thanks for the opportunity to love one another as an act of loving you. When we love you, we are loving one another. Now may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, who is our rock, our liberator, and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I stepped in the water, and the water was cold. Chilled my body, but not my soul. Wade in the water, children. Wade in the water. God's going to trouble the water. Today's scripture and this Sunday in the liturgical calendar is, in fact, about baptism. If you've ever experienced a baptism or been told about it uh, or been one here, you know that it can be a joyous occasion where the church accepts new members of the community and affirms God's claim on them as God's very own. And also, baptism signifies freedom. Our shackles of shame and sin die with Christ, 
We are reborn, knowing we are God's child. That's the idea. But during the creation of the colonies here in this land, in the colony of Virginia that would become the United States, the English had problems with this because under English law, it was illegal to enslave another Christian. But in, 18, in 1667, the Virginia House of Burgess took care of this problem of baptism making people Christian, enslaved people, when it passed Act 3. It said, Whereas some doubts have risen whether children that are slaved by birth and by the charity and piety of their owners made partakers of the blessed sacrament of baptism should by virtue of their baptism be made free. It is therefore enacted and declared by this grand assembly and the authority thereof that the conferring of baptism does not alter the condition of the person as to his bondage or freedom. And now masters freed from the doubts may more carefully endeavor the propagation of Christianity by permitting children, those slaves, or those of growth as adults, if capable, to be admitted to that sacrament. See, at the time before white was invented, the word that was used uh, was Christian. The heresy of it is mind-boggling. But uh, several centuries before, they worked out, uh, coming out of the Catholic Church and the Pope, uh, the doctrine of discovery which said that uh, any uh, land not occupied by Christians uh, could be discovered uh, by Christian nations and dominated and taken over. And therefore, everyone in Europe was Christian, tried to maybe stop some of the civil wars happening there, and the rest of the world was not Christian. But to be Christian meant European, meant to be free, meant to be white. But this baptism was supposed to make you free, And so when enslaved Africans came and met this religion, you can imagine that they were probably confused because freedom was supposed to be the result. And we know from history that some actually took their cases to court and won the freedom uh, due to the baptism. But Act 3, and there's a similar act here in New York State that was passed at the same time, uh, made that clear that that wasn't going to happen. And it actually is part of this warped theology that developed that Ibram Kendi's excellent book, stamped from the beginning chronicles, the theological acrobats performed by the likes of this country's, the colonies that became this country's first uh, public theologian, Cotton Mather, who made the argument that when uh, black people get baptized, their souls could become white. (laughs) So when we sing, uh, our sins are washed white as snow, there's a history to it. Sometimes history can help you know that when something sounds a little weird, it may be. <laughs> it might be off. So as my pastor from back home in Winston-Salem, Reverend Eversley, would say, Europeans didn't convert enslaved Africans to Christianity. Enslaved Africans converted a warped, heretical Christianity back into the religion of Jesus. <clears throat> some say Peter and some say Paul. But there ain't but the one God made us all. Wait in the water, children. Wait in the water. God's going to trouble the water. This year marks the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first uh, Africans in the English colony, brought on a Dutch ship in August of 1619. And there began the history of this nation building the wealthiest, most powerful empire in the history of the world on the back of stolen people on stolen land. And over the past few months, I've had the opportunity to become a trainer with the Racial Equity Institute based in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I've learned a great deal. But the Racial Equity Institute has developed what I think is a powerful metaphor and allegory for understanding the current reality of this 400-year history. Scriptures tell us that parables and metaphors are helpful in creating containers uh, to understand deep and complex issues. And so the metaphor goes like this. It says, if you could imagine a body of water that you're familiar with, that you may find yourself walking by, a lake, a river, 
and you walk by one day and you see uh, a single fish, belly up, dead, uh, you might wonder what happened to that fish. You might wonder where things went wrong with that fish. You may wonder where the fa fish's family went, if they were involved in raising that fish well. One of the family raised them with the values of survival and uh, doing well in this world. Wonder if it went to a fish school that had a culture of excellence or was disorganized in the inner city. Whether without the right role models and mentors, he or she fell in with the wrong fish friends. But the next day, if you go by that same body of water, and over half the fish are belly up, we would hope that we would start asking a different question. What's wrong with the water? And what the Racial Equity Institute so powerfully points out is that we have been educated, trained, professionalized, employed, and raised up even in churches in the fish-fixing business, focusing on figuring out what's wrong with fish. And there's nothing wrong with programs and services that help people, that feed people, that clothe people, that help the homeless. These services literally save lives. But the problem is, if we do that work without a lake perspective, we're bound to continue to blame the fish for their circumstances. As James Baldwin says, one begins to suspect an awful thing, that people deserve their history. And when they operate on that belief, they perish. And the allegory goes even deeper with that because we know that the surface water of lakes and rivers is just a fraction of the fresh water we use. That the uh, mass, uh, massive amounts of water that we actually consume and are uh, impacted by is found in the groundwater underneath. And so if even you were able to focus on one lake, one school, one institution, one organization, and clean it of the pollution of racism and bigotry or, and uh, of this history, there's nothing to prevent that same lake being connected to a different lake and all the different lakes that uh, are around it, institutions, organizations, and the new fish that come into that lake will be poisoned at the uh, same rate as before. And so this pushes us to a deeper analysis that looks at the groundwater of our culture is 400-year history. I stepped in the water, the water was old. It's the fish's fault, so we've been told. Wade in the water, children, wade in the water. God's going to trouble the water. So what is this baptism anyway? I called Hershey late last night, uh, my wife, to, because I had a, a spiritually inspired ADD moment of wondering uh, if John came baptizing with water, and then in the scripture today it said Jesus came baptized with Holy Spirit and fire, then why were we still baptizing with water? And uh, she uh, had a very quick response and clear, um, as often she does, and she said uh, fire would be just a little too messy. And besides that, uh, we do baptize with the Holy Spirit, with uh, God, uh, the Creator, Jesus, the Child, the Holy Spirit. And in Luke, we can know that the Holy Spirit and fire point us toward the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes as tongues of fire, where the Holy Spirit is what Dr. King called the community-creating force that moves through history, its first act making people intelligible to one another, being able to hear one another from different places in the world. So I want to offer this morning that our privatized no notion of salvation, our commodified religiosity has helped build the warped moral foundation that blames individual fish and forces us to ignore the water in which we all swim, forces us into a zero-sum game of salvation that it's only private. I'm not saying it isn't personal. It is personal. But there's also something collective about it. And actually, if we try to do this walk of faith and walk 
of baptism and salvation uh, all on our own, we are going to run into trouble. And I think the House of Burgess was right about one thing in 1667, that baptism can be dangerous, can be a danger to the status quo. Because if you are baptized or saved, it is your obligation to create an environment in which all God's children can experience salvation, can experience liberation, regardless of what uh, routine they went through in their baptismal status. Many of you have been baptized by water, but others have been baptized by Holy Spirit in, in the streets, in marches and protests, in your organizations with the fire of love. And that is how we could make baptism great again. My angel said it simply, when you get give, when you learn, teach. Grace is an abundant resource. Brian Stevenson says in Just Mercy that if we are ever to get to deal with the legacy of racism, we'll need to get proximate to the problem, to get close to the problem. And you here uh, at Middle Church know that, that wading into the water may mean that trouble will come. But wading the water will mean that the right type of trouble will come, because God will trouble the water. Jackie. Smart and funny, this guy. <laughs> the reason that Birchman and I are both so captivated, though, by Rob's sermon title is because it was funny and also prophetic, you know? There's something about making baptism great again, which is about making Christianity great again, which is about making Christianity Christian again, which is really about dialing back some stuff. You know, first, Jesus was a Jew, not a Christian. So anytime the church thinks its job is to shut out the Jews, are you kidding? That is the most ridiculous concept of life. How are you going to, in the name of the Jews, shut out the Jews? Two, Jesus got baptized but was already the child of God. The baptism didn't make Jesus the child of God. God just whispered, that's my guy. I like paraphrasing, but just sort of <laughs> acknowledging, you know, like not like, oh my goodness, suddenly he's my guy, but like, yeah, that's my guy, and I'm pleased with him. And so baptism in itself is not a kind of identity um, maker, it's an identity confirmer, and it is for everyone. I say that again, it's not an identity maker, it's an identity confirmer, and it is for everyone. I love the way Rob said it's not just about when we put the water on you, but it's when the breath of God blows on you in the streets. That is baptism. When we're doing the work we do to heal and love the world, that is grace upon grace calling us to baptism. I'm not trying to minimize the ritual of baptism. I'm trying to expand the ritual of baptism. It is the ritual of acknowledging whose we are and what we're called to do. So if that's true, then I'm going to say we make baptism great again when we, like Amanda and Kelly and um, Elaine today and like Darren and Christina and others before, when we go to the river, the Rio Grande River, to pray, to make space for people to do sanctuary with people who are trying to find a safe way, I think that's making baptism great again. When Sandy Stone and um, Ayana Stern and Susan Sherman and Laura Kogel and all kinds of beautiful Jewish friends find their way into this community and stay in this community. I think we're making baptism great again. And when, amen? And when Sandy and Susan got baptized, joy too, when they got baptized, they weren't getting baptized to convert. They were getting baptized to say, this is my love community. And I want to publicly let you know I'm here. That makes baptism great again. Amen? Amen? When we're able to bring 20 queer icons into the sanctuary, beautiful photos created by Gabe. Are you here today, Gabe? Hi, Gabe. There you are. <laughs> Stand up. Woo! 
Turn around. There we go. <laughs> you may be seated. When Gabe makes this beautiful art and we leave it up on our sanctuary walls for seven months and don't want to take them down, we middle family are making baptism great again because we're saying God is in all these bodies, like God is in our body, and that all these bodies are holy. Hallelujah. Holy. Amen? We make baptism great again when we decide, when we purpose ourselves to not just be a multiracial church who gives air kisses to the diversity, not just a church that says that we will quote unquote include queer people, but a church with a trans deacon, a church with queer people leading, a church where we not only are multiracial but committed to anti-racism, creating a, a racial healing task force. Tomorrow, Rob is going to do an all-day training with our staff on anti-racist work. This year, all of you are going to read a book called White Fragility at our cost. So we can talk about this stuff and work this stuff and heal and change the world. That's what we do to make baptism great again. Somebody say amen. amen. And I have to say this because Rob put it in the room. We are the oldest continuous church in North America. That means... We are those Dutch people. <laughs> that means we're the ones, that's why this looks like a ship. <laughs> we are the ones, we are the legacy of the ones who came here and stole the land from the Lenape people. And we are the ones who built the church on the stolen land that we stole for $23. And we are the ones who enslaved Africans. And we are the ones who baptized them and kept them as slaves. Not us, but we. And so isn't it remarkable that we're also the ones who throw down love is love is love every day and twice on Sunday, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't it wonderful that we're also the ones who've been transformed by spirit to put love is love is love in the world on Pride Sunday to, to acknowledge the permanence of racism and push against it and to do that crazy town, amazing Christmas show that people are still writing us and talking about us. Nobody knows how to love better than you know how to love, middle family. That's baptism as well. So I'm wanting to say baptism is not a one-time action, like, woo, I'm sprinkled and here we go or I've been dipped and raised up and shaken dry and I'm good to hook. Baptism is an ongoing process. The tense has to be right. We get baptized and we keep on becoming the people of God. We get baptized and we keep on becoming the transformed lovers of the world. Rob and I were wrestling about what kind of ritual to give you. Do you know why we kiss each other during passing of the peace? Do you know why? Who knows why? Rob knows why. Virgin knows why. Because the first ways people got brought into the church was with a holy kiss. The first ways people got ordained was with a holy breath. Come, Josie, ask your question. In other words, I'm baptizing Allie with a kiss of breath. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you with me? It doesn't have to be French kissing. <laughs> also, during... Um, Peace we kiss to share love. Also, also during peace we kiss to share love. So I'm going to invite you to baptize your neighbor. Just stand up for a second. Come here, Josie. Can I baptize you? Holy cow. <laughs> You've really changed. <laughs> Give us a kiss. You are God's beloved. And you've got work to do. Amen? Kiss your neighbor. Somewhere. You are God's beloved. You are God's beloved. And you got work to do. <laughs> You are God's beloved. <laughs> and you got work to do. Mwah. Amen? <laughs>
Amen. When we're on the streets, okay, they're not done. <laughs> when we're on the streets marching for justice, whether handling the messiness of anti-Semitism and anti-Islam anti -Islam sentiment, whether in this place trying to love on each other, we make baptism great again when we own our child of Godness fully and we own that everyone has the same identity, child of God. That makes us keep opening and opening and opening and opening rather than shutting it all down. And that's what we're called to do. Amen. I bet you weren't expecting two sermons today. <laughs> now for my sermon. Um, no, I just want to say, uh, like I said, I wasn't here for uh, the latter portion of the month last month, and so I wasn't here for Christmas Day, but I did watch the beautiful, dynamic, amazing worship celebration that happened on CBS from Oakland with my family. Did, who else watched it online? Has everyone else? Who's not watched it online? Go to Middle Church this afternoon and watch the most amazing Christmas Eve celebration that you'll ever see in your life. Uh, you, your heart will be lifted. Even though we're post-Christmas tide, you're, you will feel the spirit and um, you will be baptized again. Um, one of the things I do want to say, yes, it's true. And I want to say thank you to each and every person, each and every voice, each and every parent who wrangled your child to be here, everyone who dressed up in their fancy clothes to be seen on television. I hope you got seen, the choir members, the amazing sermon that went forward. Um, this morning, I told Jackie, after, uh, during, or I said it during the first worship, that I came in this morning and there was an email from a woman in Michigan. Um, it came in at like three something in the morning. And she had seen our Christmas uh, Eve worship service. And because of that, she said she wanted to join and be a part of this congregation. And so it's because of the work that we do here. It's the, this work. It's preaching prophetic word and going out and changing this world around, uh, becoming a, to helping us become an anti-racist world. Uh, but it's also the small things. So I mean, just the hospitality and the welcome and the ushers and the greeters. Um, there's also another way that we sort of embody God's love in the world. And it's, it's through these icons that Jackie mentioned, these 20 icons. And uh, Gabriel, if you want to come forward, I want to invite you. So Gabriel, people are coming down. Turn around. Um, the icons are coming down this week. <laughs> And we just want you to know, Gabriel, how important they are to us as a congregation. Um, if you're visiting and you don't know and you haven't seen them, I encourage you to see them after worship today. Um, but these are queer icons. And do you want to just say a brief word about why you did this work? Uh, sure. I'm sorry. Like Orange Mike. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I started this project because uh, I wanted to highlight the queer community of color uh, it's a community that hardly gets any, doesn't have a voice or hardly's ever written about. So I wanted to create like visual uh, self prophecies, I guess, or uh, yeah. manifestations. So I grew up Catholic and obviously it's, you could see it in my work. Yeah. Thank you, Gabe. Oh. Gabriel, thank you so much. You. I will say as, as a Man of color who's also queer and clergy, thank you for representation because you help us to see in each of these images the way that God has embodied these people by being queer and trans and gender nonconforming, that God is present in all those people. Uh, Middle Church, when you help support this movement, you're supporting this kind of work and you're creating a place where queer people and trans people can come here and be seen fully and celebrate the gifts, the beloved gifts of who they are in God. Um, as the ushers, oh, before the ushers come forward, we want to just blessing. take a moment of blessing and just put your hand forward uh, and send energy, your love this way for Gabriel. Uh, the exhibition's going to be where? Uh, in well, California. Okay. No, well, but it's in California. It's, it's going forward and it's going to bless that community yes, in the is. way that it has ours. So let's pray briefly. Gabriel, uh, you are God's beloved child and God's spirit is working through you, through your art, through your voice, through your vision. 
Thank you for sharing just a taste of the beauty that comes through you uh, with this congregation. And we pray and know that the people who are on the other side of this country will be blessed and that more queer people and people of color will see themselves as, as God's beloved. We entrust these things to you, um, O oh God. We entrust Gabriel to you, O oh God. Um, thank you for the gift of his life and for being with us for this time. Amen. 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 Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you so much. Middle family, I invite you to give as ushers come forward to continue this work, um, not just here in the city, but throughout the world. Thank you. Bertram, stay and sing. God, thank you for these incredible and generous gifts. May they multiply in abundance so we can continue the work for justice and resist injustice. So we continue to feed the hungry. So we can continue to clean the waters. In your many names we pray and give you thanks.
Um, as we prepare to give you a blessing, first of all, thank you, Rob. <laughs> One of the things that, that I know people wrestle with a bit here is, you know, we'll be like, and they came, and then they went, and they came, and they went. Rob is a beautiful example of what we're trying to do here. You know, we snatched him before he even finished seminary, honey. And look at what a beautiful job he does in the world and in this place. So we're so proud to raise leaders like Rob and Bertram and Amanda and Christina and Marta and just all the things. Marta's getting married. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Yay! We're so happy for you. <laughs> Natalie Perkins is tweeting online all the time now, talking to us, and she told me to tell you that I'm telling you, she's trying to have a conversation with you. Um, middle family, uh, the water imagery for folks like me, for my, for my people, my mother, you know, baptized in the Mississippi River. Um, this idea that God's gonna trouble the water, and the troubled water heals the world. The swirling troubled water heals the world. Whether we think of baptism by water or by holy breath, by spirit or by fire and trial, God is doing something in us because we are children of God, because we belong to the holy. We, something's being stirred up in us. And our job isn't to keep that private. Amen. Our job is to move in the world as though we are healers because we are. Our job is to move in the world as though we are waymakers because we are. As though we are called to do justice by any means necessary because, in fact, we are. Amen. So you haven't joined this movement yet? See, Bertram, he wants you. And I'm, I'm, I'm laying hands on you. Come on, Rob, help me. Come on, Bertram. I'm laying hands on you to create new movements, to connect women, to use your music, to change the story to make art that transforms our mm. understanding, to counsel people, to help them change their stories, to use our photography and our art and our work in the world, to raise our children, to use media, to do all the things that we have at our fingertips to fix this mess and make it right, to make baptism and Lord Jesus, the church, mm. great. Again. Amen. 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 Thank you, baby. Amen.